You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. You're listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. I'm very excited to have Dr. Whitfield here today, president of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well. I'm going to make a few announcements, and we'll get right into a little discussion between you and I, if you will. Great, great, great. Uh, in terms of announcements, I just want to announce and, and express condolences to the to Miss uh, Eva Simmons, husband of George Simmons. He passed just recently. In fact, his services is this weekend. Uh, he will be missed. Uh, he's a longtime member of Valley View Golf Club and quite a golfer. George is a, a few years older than I, and he and I never really got a chance to, to golf, but I did golf with his brother, Cotis, who passed uh, just six weeks ago. And Cotis was also not only a great golfer, but a, a great tennis player as well. In terms of birthdays, uh, deceased mother-in-law, Mary Fountain, was just a couple days ago. Uh, Chief Eugene Campbell's birthday just recent. My sister, Manita Armstrong. And my deceased grandfather, Joe Watkins, uh, just the other day. And, of course, we got Aletha Stevens coming up soon. And also Mr. L.C. Kennedy, my uncle. Those are birthdays, and I try to uh, make sure I acknowledge folks for the birthdays as they are coming up during a particular month. Um, the American Legion Post 10 Women's Auxiliary will host a Western Affairs dance on October 21st at 7 p.m. there at Doolittle and 8th Street. So if you get a chance to pick up tickets, stop by. And I think they're only like $10 or something like that, but it will be a great support to the American Legion Post 10 and the Women's Auxiliary. Dr. President Whitfield, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. How are you today? I am well. I am well. And I was, uh, as you were co- walking over with some of your staff members, you were talking. I'm thinking, oh, I failed to ask if he was had been in the military. <laughs> and you said no. <laughs> so please tell us where you're from and, and uh, where you were born, in fact. Well, actually, um, my dad was military. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given is somebody said, well, were you in the military? I'm like, why? The way you stand or whatever. I'm like, yeah, my dad told me to stand up straight. <laughs> But um, uh, I was born in Japan. My father at the time was a radio repairman flying C-130s over North Korea. Uh, So you can you can guess my age (laughs) because we haven't done that in a little while. But um, while we were there, he got the opportunity because he had I think he had an associate's degree. They had Mm -hmm. enough credits, had his associate's degree, got the opportunity 
um, to be able to go back to school and get his degree. Mm. So we left Japan. Um, actually, I, I heard this story a thousand times that they had to wait till I was six weeks old because they had found out right before I was born they had to wait till I was six weeks old. So uh, in uh, April of that year, let's just call it that year, mm-hmm. uh, my father flew back, started school at the University of Colorado Boulder, got a degree. Uh, he wanted to be an engineer, but they said we got enough engineers. Mm-hmm. We, you need to go into business statistics. Well, that time, business statistics was computers. And one of the things that I found out very recently, because I put together the math, and I think for those listening, um, you've really got to ask your parents and your grandparents the history of what's gone on before, because you learn a lot. Um, What I learned was I I was at a movie. I was watching Hidden Figures. Mm -hmm. Mm. My dad used to tell me the story all the time of of when he started off, these computers were in a big old room. Right. I looked at Hidden Figures, and I was like, yeah, he followed right on the backside of when the story timeline for Hidden Figures. So he was uh, an African-American officer Mm -hmm. at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, uh, I think, um, when I think of the success that I've had, it is built on, while (laughs) I did not have the the opportunity to be able to serve, Mm -hmm. that that service influences generations beyond just the time when people serve. So that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. All right, all right. That's interesting. You know, there's something that I've been intending to do for the last year and a half, and and I've got to step up and make it happen. And that is I have still have some family members, aunts, that are in their late 70s, early, and I'm 72 myself, but I want them to talk to my children and my grandchildren about things that occurred. Because my grandfather, I think my aunt Magnolia just sent out the other day, he was born in 1899. Wow. Now he's been, he's been gone for probably 30, 40 years, but the bottom line is, I just don't recall as a young man thinking to ask him about what occurred during his life. But exciting, man, go, born in Japan. Born in Japan, <laughs> Fukuoka. <laughs> that is cool. So what, what, what's your favorite pastime? I'm going to get into some more stuff about the school, but I definitely want to know. I think that people should know a little bit about you. Well, you know, because <laughs> I was going to say it's it's my vocation and my avocation as UNLV because I love this school. Sure. Um, but uh, one of the things I do is that uh, I love old cars. That's something even that I learned from my dad, mm. uh, old cars, old trucks in particular. And one of the things, if you come out to the tailgate that's mm-hmm. going to be this weekend, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring, uh, bring it again, uh, what we call the Rebel Ride. It's a 1969 1969, the same year as we became the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay. 1969 Blazer, mm. and it's scarlet and gray. Oh wow! Uh, so uh, that's 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 how much this place has influenced <laughs> me. Is I painted one of my old cars, <laughs> or had it painted, cool. uh, the our school colors. Absolutely, that sounds pretty pretty doggone cool. Now, where did why did you decide to seek to apply for the job at UNLV? You know, it's so interesting because um, I I was at, <laughs> I got to be careful telling our <laughs> listeners this, that I was at Duke and I was working in a provost office and I always felt that they didn't need me there, mm-hmm. that, that you got kids and they had an organization and a system, incredible one, mm-hmm. that made it so that their graduation rate was 95%. Mm-hmm. Um, through some conjoling from some colleagues, I applied for a job at Wayne State, a similar kind of urban research university um, with people with a lot of grit. And that turned on my desire for student success to help those who I know they're capable because actually they were like me. I wasn't the best of student. 
Um, but I had people help me. And when they opened up the opportunity, I ran for it. And so um, was a provost at Wayne State University, loved the job, mm-hmm. got convinced that I should just apply for this job. And um, it's so funny because I had applied for other jobs, too. I, I want to share with your listeners, too, that mm-hmm. uh, everything's not about success. Sometimes you learn more from your failures than you do from from what you succeed on. And yeah. so I had failed it a couple of times and then thought, you know something? I'm just not a president. I, I, I don't act like a president, don't walk like a president. But um, what was interesting was the fit here. When I expressed myself of my passion for student success, my passion for mm-hmm. trying to help communities and to make things better, um, it resonated and uh, they picked me. And I felt blessed every day. I, I tell people all the time, man, I, when I wake up in the morning and turn and put my feet on the ground, I say it's a great day to be a rebel. So this is your first? Yes, sir. And came during, came during the, 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 the pandemic. Mm. On August 24th was my first official day, 2020. <laughs> so if, if you were going to try to make it a little bit harder, I don't think it could have been any harder. <laughs> so weren't too many people around, huh, as you know, far as students? That's what I was so excited. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't think about the moment in time that we were in. And mm. so I showed up on the first day. I was ready to go. I walked out to the quad, and I didn't see nobody. <laughs> And I was like, well, wait a minute. Oh, my God. We got 30,000 plus students. Right. Actually, officially this year, 31,000 students. And I didn't see anybody. And uh, what was uh, interesting was is that um, I told my cabinet members, I said, you know, I've, I've run into students. You, it wasn't like no one was here. There was just right. a very few number. Mm-hmm. Saw how amazing they were. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, I want to meet every student. So my cabinet looked at me like, you're crazy. You, it's 30,000 students. What are you talking about? <laughs> And I said, I got to meet him. So we actually figured out a way that um, we created a digital president. It's the first one in the country mm. that uses artificial intelligence. And it's so that we could figure out a way to connect with students because I wanted during that time, um, while we're going to talk about veterans, mm-hmm. um, I think that this is something that that was uniform during the pandemic of that people might not have felt that connection or felt that um, even that the university was was still open for business and still ready to be able to help folks. Right. And uh, that's why we created the, our, the digital presence, the digital Keith Whitfield. I say, he looks better than me, and, <laughs> and he knows a lot, but I don't think he's smarter than me. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to put that to the test because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you brought that uh, up as a topic here, AI. So obviously you're using it, so you believe in it, and you know, I know a lot of people, myself included, are a little bit concerned about things being taken over by this system or whatever you want to call it. But uh, it's interesting, and I know it's something that can be very, very useful, and obviously you used it to your advantage. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit more about it, please. Well, I tell you, in the in the higher ed space, there's a lot of conversations going on about this. I actually wrote a piece in, I think it's president to president something, mm-hmm. and what my perspective is is that it's like any new technology. We, you're not going to put the genie back in a bottle. Right. So let's make sure that we are very thoughtful about how we use it, about the, the, the kind of guardrails that we have for good use and poor use. Right. Um, our faculty here who are so dedicated. They're looking at it saying, oh, my gosh, you know, people might misuse it, people might misuse it. I said, y'all are really smart. Let's figure out how they might misuse it right. and set up the proper guardrails. And uh, one faculty member reached out to me and said, well, I'm afraid people might use this to cheat because, you know, you can get it to, to write a paper for right, you. Right. 
I said, well, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, cheating didn't start with AI. That's right. Cheating's always been there. And what happens is, is that we as professors, because uh, I am a, I am still a professor, mm-hmm. um, we as professors actually always have had that as a threat. And what we have to do is to figure out a way to teach and assess mm-hmm. our students' knowledge and ability in ways that discourage that. But if if we think we're going to, we've never stopped it. Right. So it happens. So let's figure out how this tool could be used. Uh, I'm not going to get way into it because I can nerd out on this. It's <laughs> It's been fascinating because it's been some of my faculty, some of our faculty mm-hmm. that have shared with me, well, you know what it is, is that you can take and figure out different ways to assess students' knowledge mm-hmm. that that basically goes around it. Or actually this one professor said, hey, you know something, I'm gonna I'm just smack it in the face. I'm gonna tell the student, first you write a paper that uses AI, and then you get in a small group and you have to be able to assess right. what it was for. See, it's taking and flipping it. Yes. And if we, if we don't stick our head in the sand, mm-hmm. we can figure out how we can actually use this to our benefit, rather than being so afraid that it might be something that just is whatever, but it is it is powerful, and that's the reason why we need smart people to be mm-hmm. thinking about how it's used and how it's used wisely and ethically, uh, and and for the betterment of mankind. Excellent. You know, on a much smaller scale, I used to tell people, you know, as you build and work your resume, don't just put stuff down because somebody gonna ask you about, well, what do you do on United Way Board of Directors? And you get to uh uh uh, they like he's <laughs> just putting down stuff just to you know to fatten it up, if you yeah, will. Yeah. But what, what's your discipline as a professor? So um, I can I can claim a lot of things. My my real undergraduate degree is in psychology. My graduate degree is in lifespan development. Um, but my professional identity is as a gerontologist. I study aging. Mm. Um, I study cognitive aging in African Americans in particular. Mm. Um, this this uh, there's a little bit of insight about me that comes from that because mm. as I was finishing my my PhD um, I, I, I learned all of these great practices and then I was like well so what am I going to make as my career as, as my research yeah. uh, approach and one of the things that I was fascinated by was my, my grandfather who had a third grade education mm-hmm. but man he could talk me down he, he could always I was like the mind isn't as simple as just thinking it's A, B or C or what you got in this class right. um, so I wanted to study cognition in a group that had really not been studied before, which was African-Americans. Mm. And uh, I was sharing with somebody today that uh, there were a couple of people who said, well, that's not the way you do it. You're supposed to compare blacks to whites. And I said, well, whites have been studied, but blacks haven't been studied. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go where nobody's been. Right. So I'm going to go over there. And so <laughs> uh, I actually published the first paper on cognition in African-American elders. Mm. Um, and I ain't that old, but it was it was amazing that it hadn't been done before. I was somebody had to tell me that it actually hadn't been done. I was just doing work that I thought was important work mm-hmm. to answer interesting questions. But um, that's something I've dedicated my life to. I'm actually still an active, let's call it, still an active researcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my last study was on longevity in African Americans and African American families in particular. Mm. Um, that when you look at African Americans, they tend to die earlier. Yes, but those who live on have lived through incredible health challenges, mm-hmm. incredible social challenges. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look at a group who you want to model successful aging after, look at a group that is the most adversely affected but still makes it. 
You know what? Uh, this is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and more. We have Dr. Whitfield, and we will have him for the entirety of the show today. This brother has a lot to say, and you know what? I'm not going to let you get near my wife because she keeps telling me that because <laughs> you've studied old people. She, she keeps telling me, you're old. You know, look at you when you get up. Look at you. And my kids, look how you're walking, Daddy. Leave me alone. You're still but, walking. That's, right, the, that's the point. Exactly. And still yeah. playing golf two or three times a week, Doc. Man. And my back be killing me, but I take me a couple <laughs> of aspirins and I go. Uh, so that's, that's very interesting. And you did say you have over 31,000 students. UNLV just for the first time mm-hmm. ever this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it could change tomorrow because we do try to keep students but sometimes. But we're over 31,000, 31,000, mm. like 60 students. Wow. Um, we also had one of the, we had the largest incoming class. Uh, that was 4,700 and some change. Mm. So um, as other schools are, are running into enrollment challenges, mm-hmm. UNLV is being seen for the incredible place that it is and more and more people are coming here so well tell us about i understand because i did look up a couple things and i did recall hearing that one of the 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 former presidents did start to get into the research as a university explain to the listening audience a little bit about what does that mean yeah it's fascinating carol harder Yes. Back in uh, even the late 90s had this. Uh, I've seen this. The, the newspaper article said UNLV could be the next UCLA. And people laughed at her. Mm-hmm. And look at us now. Mm-hmm. We're a research one institution, um, which, rep, you know, too, we always say that. And I say, what does that mean? The average person doesn't really necessarily know what that means. What that means is that in terms of research, uh, uh, graduating graduate students, we're in the top 3% mm-hmm. in the nation. Mm-hmm. So um, that is something that's an important moniker, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like a nameplate. Mm-hmm. What really matters is the engine behind the car right. and that we have this incredible university that changes lives. Um, over 130,000 graduates. Mm. Um, so many of those, too, they get multiple degrees from UNLV. Mm. And uh, I can tell you that uh, for me, and I, I do believe I speak for the university, the happiest day, the best day of the year is graduation day because you see pure joy for people that did their, hey man, they worked every day yeah. to be able to get across the finish line. And it's just, it's just, it, it's an exhausting day for me. I, I shake thousands of hands, mm-hmm. um, but each and every one of them, I'm, I, I take a certain pride, not even knowing them, Absolutely. but just knowing that they achieved that accomplishment. Well, I, I've been a, a training officer for Las Vegas Fire and Rescue, in fact, my last six years, after 33 years of service, I was the fire chief. And the pride that you take when people come across that stage to graduate to become a firefighter, and those, when, when they get promoted, it makes you feel so good about maybe I touched them in such a way that it made them want to, to achieve more. That's outstanding. It's, a, it's about that contribution that you make, and um, it's appropriate for me to, to say. It gets said a lot, but mm-hmm. it's definitely meant, and that is thank you for your service. For sure. Now, how how many um, part time and full time staff do you have? If you know, part time, full time staff. It's um, roughly about forty nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we put it together, it's a, it's it's now over thirty five thousand. Mm. Um, and somebody they pulled the most inane um, <laughs> thing of that. When if if you put everybody on our campus at one time, which we're we're a campus that has ebbs and flows in terms of how many people are on campus at any one time, mm-hmm. but if you do, we're the eleventh largest city in the state. Mm. Wow. 
So as far as housing, is that farmed out or do you run the housing, the, the university itself? We have a mixed model with that. Okay. Uh, good man, you're asking me some good questions. Well, I'm, yeah. glad, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I've been asked these questions before. We have about 1,800 beds on campus. Okay. Um, we're, we're now back to fully, um, we, we had uh, a reduced number that we, we had because we wanted to make sure that if somebody needed to be isolated because of COVID, mm-hmm. that we had to save rooms. But now we're back at the 1,800. Um, but if you look and see, there's Echo 360, there's the Gateway Building, there's uh, the Degree. If you look at around our campus, there's a little over 5,300 beds okay. for people to be able to do. But, you know, 70% of our folks come from Clark County. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you think about 70% of 30,000, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, so there's only so many people that live on campus, but but we're part of the community. It's the reason why the university has to reflect the community, because that's where our students come. That's who we serve. And and that's what we're about. So the eighteen hundred is is under the the helm it's of the on university, campus. Yes, and it's sir. on campus. And the other housing is run by other folks. Exactly, okay. exactly. Right. We work with them. We have pretty good relationships with them. Um, I want to see us do more because I want everyone to be able to have that full college experience. Sure. And so we talk with the other vendors about um, different kinds of programming mm-hmm. and making sure that their folks. Uh, maybe aren't trained by us, but but have knowledge of the kinds of things that students need to do because some of the student success that we want to see happens where you live. Right. So we extend ourselves to that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, tell me, how are the veterans faring as far as, you know, studying, graduation, et cetera? And I did hear some of your staff mentioning some stats as we were coming over. Yeah. You know, I don't have it here in front of me, but um, we are considered uh, in – like in the top 10 in terms of, of veteran-friendly universities. Mm. Uh, the number I don't have in front of me, which you know, now you're going to make me have to get that, <laughs> which is, is that what is our veteran graduation rate? Uh, because that's one of the ways in which we, we manage and monitor what our success is. But I think the bigger piece of our success is, is that we are a veteran-friendly university. We have 1,700 uh, military-affiliated students that will be here this fall, which is... Uh, uh, and, and of those, it includes 400 new students that mm. will be joining UNLV this mm. fall. Um, we graduated more than 475 in 2022. And since we're not through with 2023, I can't tell you what that number is. But um, our veterans, um, it's, it's, it's amazing what they can contribute. And it's just like what you contribute anytime mm-hmm. when when you're in military service or, or, or even when you're in the community yeah. of that their presence actually, I think, makes us a better university. So while we're we're veteran friendly for a reason, mm-hmm. and that is, is because part of our strength as an institution is those souls that have taken and served our country and what they bring to the classroom. It's always interesting <laughs> and unique. Um, it's a perspective that that others benefit from. Absolutely. I've had, I mentioned to you, I've had Russ Bryan on before. I'm going to get him back on. But it seems like you guys got a very tight, you know, very close-knit veterans, uh, what would you say, uh, not audience, but uh, community here in terms of, as you said, your veterans family. So I do want to get Russ back on because, I, I again, I, I appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Now, in terms of scholarships, are there any that are, that are particularly for for veterans that you're aware of? We do have um, some, you know, so much can be done through 
mm-hmm. um, you know, veterans benefits. Um, but even navigating that can be difficult. And so what we have is people that help to be able to navigate that. We do have some. Um, you have to be careful because mm-hmm. you can't make scholarships so isolated that everybody can't compete for them. But right. you can have. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be saying this publicly, I guess, but you can have some that, you know, are definitely designed for people of have a particular background. And so mm-hmm. we do have some that our veterans use quite regularly in terms mm-hmm. of being able to support what they do. Wonderful. Wonderful. So I know you must have some strategic goals that you came forth with as you came and put your team together. And certainly wanted to thank your your outgoing uh, assistant. Dr. Frank, she was very helpful in, in helping me make contact with you. It, I try to make it hard to catch me because we got, we got a lot to do around here. Actually, I want to come back to another point because I do have uh, one note to add to that, that mm-hmm. um, our legislators really just helped and pushed, which is, is a Purple Heart um, recipient tuition waiver mm. that runs through NSHE. Um, and so any Purple Heart recipient with uh, all the benefits uh, exhausted is granted a tuition waiver. Uh, uh, through through our veterans office. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. help to coordinate all of it. Um, we also, uh, through our student government, have uh, 10 annual $1,000 scholarships for veterans and their family members. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's very, very broad. Tries not to, you know, it, it's 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 inclusive as it can be. It's not right. for one branch of the service or another. Um, but those are just a couple of the opportunities we have. And it's the reason why you you brought up Ross. Mm-hmm. I am I was a fan from him from day one, mm-hmm. and it's tough too. My dad was Air Force and he's <laughs> Army, and so you know, you're not supposed to get along. But man, he is just so sharp. He uh, cares so deeply about our veterans. It's the reason great. why they've been successful. That's great. So strategically, as we start to wind down the show, any particular thoughts that you brought to the team that you want to try to accomplish as a, as a leader. <laughs> we need a couple of shows for that. I, UNLV is an incredible university that has potential that has yet to be reached. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just living one of the most blessed lives there could be to be able to be a servant leader mm-hmm. of this university, mm-hmm. particularly around veterans. Um, I have a couple of things that I want to see happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our limits, but that never has stopped me much before. So I've got to set them as goals. One of them is is to be able to highlight and to be able to actually provide um, a place for our veteran services that is as visible as possible because I want to make sure that any and every veteran actually uses the full capacity that this university brings. Um, we are making some wonderful inroads uh, in with Nellis, which mm-hmm. we've not had before. Uh, I was I was sharing with my group, you know, I haven't been on a, a, a Air Force installation probably in 35 years. And I went on <laughs> Nellison. And as soon as I went past the guard gate, I said, I'm home. <laughs> um, and so we're going to see if there's ways in which we can help those folks as well Excellent. Um, for educational opportunities, be able to pursue them. So mm-hmm. those are just some of them. But it's to improve our graduation rates. Mm-hmm. It's to bring more and more people to UNLV. It's to increase our research and increase the experiences that students get so that they can go out and be prepared for the world. So that kind of segues into my next question is, why should a student attend you, want to attend UNLV? UNLV is, I believe, in the, the landscape of higher education. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of the, the true bastions for ev- where everyone comes to. It's a place that's in the city, and so it, it has the wonderful everything that a city gives you, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it is its own little bastion of where you can come and actually... I, I, People 
find this weird, but to be able to fail, to be able to explore, to be able to learn about yourself, to be able to learn more. Um, we live in a society that, that requires that we constantly grow in terms of what we know. Absolutely. So a university is the perfect home for that. Yeah. Um, because we have so many different educational offerings, it offers the opportunity for every single person to come here and feel that they belong, to feel that they can actually explore, and they grow as people. That's, that's what I see every single time, and it's one of the things that makes um, my job a great job to be able to have, is to be able to see the growth people have both intellectually and personally. Mm-hmm. So I guess you have from teenagers up to folks probably my age, I know that there's a program that you have. It's, it's more of a, uh, what do you call it, a CU Ollie. type. Yeah, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about getting involved in it. Well, Dr. Whitfield, we are so appreciative of you coming and you shared some nuggets with our veterans community. So we thank you so much. And I look forward to having you back on again if I can catch you. And I will certainly always try, man, because you got a lot to bring to the table. Always try to catch me. Um, as, as Ross knows, um, and I do this for all of our students, mm-hmm. I, I care about every single soul that we have on this campus. Sure. But boy, the veterans, I'm just, I, I have a particular connection as, as I shared. Right. Um, and I want to be able to do everything in our university, be able to provide everything that we can to be able to help make them successful. So, and thank you all to everyone who's listening for your service. It is appreciated. All right, Doc. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, veterans out there, we got to open school. Uh, campus here we, we got to get more veterans into this university That's so right. we thank uh, Dr. Whitfield for his service and we'll get Ross Bryan on to talk in a little bit more detail about some of the things that are going on from the program that he runs thank you doc we appreciate you thank you sir